Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S.com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, I'm just going to come out and say it. What? The earth is spinning faster than ever and it shows. Summer of chaos. Too many things are happening. Do you know what the VIX is? No, what's the VIX? The VIX is like a volatility index used to measure financial markets. It's just, so if things are going really crazy, the, the VIX will be high, essentially. Um, I feel like the news VIX is just too much. The volatility is, it is too, I am getting whiplash from reading the paper. It is, Aaron, the other night I was in an event for 90 minutes. That's it. 90 minutes. I come out to all caps texts from you that are like, OMG, Alyssa. And I'm like, what did I miss? You can't do anything. I texted you, well, well, well. Oh, that's what it was. Which is the thing I text you when something crazy but good happens. I couldn't get, and also if the broadband were better up here, I'd have been able to Google it, but I just like, I had no, I couldn't. I'm like, what is happening? Explain the wells. What is happening, Aaron? I don't know. Too many, too many things. I think it's just the earth about to spin right off its axis. And yeah, that's gotta be it. This week, we're joined by Julissa Arce and Kieran Deal to tackle the following questions. If this is how winning feels, then why are we so tired? Is the crisis America's schools are facing due to a teacher shortage or a shortage of respect for teachers? How do our parents weigh in on decisions we make as adults? And what recent casting decision gets the heaviest thumbs down? All this and more right now. All right, Alyssa. Lot happening. Let's let's start on a high note. We've changed the world in a way that you rarely get an opportunity to do that. With the Inflation Reduction Act, this Senate Democratic majority has achieved what countless others uh, have come to Washington promising to do, but ultimately failed to deliver. And I am really confident that the Inflation Reduction Act will endure as one of the defining feats 
of the 21st century. The sound you just heard, Democrats passed the Inflation Reduction Act, which despite its boring sounding name, is actually uh, the biggest climate bill ever. Ever. And and I don't mean that, like, we're not talking about that in like a hyperbolic way, like how the host of The Bachelor says it's the most dramatic rose ceremony ever. Ever. Because it's like, how could you even quantify that? You know, there's no like. Please. Is someone jumping a fence again? I mean, like, no. Right. Does somebody literally burst into flames uh, in a sort of magical realism type way? No, that it's not the most dramatic rose ceremony ever. Um, no, I, this is the biggest climate bill ever. Um, Alyssa, can you kind of tell us a little bit about what's yes, in it? Yes, Aaron, I love learning as much as I can about this bill because it's fucking good vibes. It's really good vibes. Yes. So this bill can kind of be broken down into climate, medicine, and taxes. $700 billion legislation package, $370 billion climate investment. Aaron, it offers tax credits for clean energy, nuclear power production, electric vehicles, and other technologies that will accelerate our transition to a low carbon economy. Wow. And if Congress enacts this bill, which we expect that it will, greenhouse gas emissions in 2030 will be 40% below 2005 levels. Whoa, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's that's not bad. So what about what about the medicine part? So the medicine part. So the bill extends a pandemic program that reduced health insurance premiums for 13 million low and middle income American families. It's going to offer free vaccines for adults on Medicare and Medicaid. It imposes a $2,000 per year cap on out-of-pocket drug costs under Medicare Part D. The Drug Price Negotiation Program, Erin, I was excited about this one, not going to lie. So Mm -hmm. this means that manufacturers need to get on board with Medicare's proposed price or pay a 1,900% tax on all sales of the drugs. The one downer in the bill was that the GOP blocked an amendment that would have capped the monthly cost of insulin at $35, which... It's about par for the course for the Republicans. Yeah. And then that leaves us with taxes, which this is the biggest revenue raiser in the bill. The bill is a 15% minimum tax on the book income. Now, I am always a little nervous about these terms, so I looked it up. Book income are the earnings that corporations report to investors. So this is a very good thing. So there's a 15% minimum tax on the book income of large corporations. The bill also includes $80 billion for the IRS to pursue folks who are not paying the taxes which they owe. Hmm, interesting. Um, going back to the climate piece on this, though, is there any... Have we... Mm. Uh, are there any tax breaks for people who figure out how to harness the audacity of uh, Donald Trump? I mean, Aaron, it really feels like there should be, shouldn't there? Um, I, I know that we, you know, other other crooked media pods have this pretty well covered, but I do want to briefly touch on it because it's like we have a wide open court in front of us and we're on a fast break. Can we just dunk it? Can we just dunk? Let's just, Aaron, let me tell you, it was a real joy this morning to wake up and see that Donald Trump got a blowout for his day in court. 
he got, he got a blow like his hair. His hair it was like shiny and blown out. It was he was going to, he was I think he scared of Tish James. Do you think he hit up Dry Bar before? Do you think he went there? And he was- I think he did. I think he got a little <laughs> Moroccan oil to hold the hold the shine. Um, it's clearly a new wig. First of all, like it's not whatever. But um, yeah, Mar-a-Lago was raided by the FBI, and uh, President Trump put out a big long statement that basically tried to leverage the raid as though it was a PR opportunity, which I guess it it sort of was for him. I don't know. I guess. I mean, Aaron, this man is having a terrible, very, very bad week that is so richly deserved that it's just, it would be, it would be beneath us to not take a moment and be like, couldn't happen to a bigger dickhead. <laughs> mm, well, you know, here's something that I would caution us though, as we're celebrating. If you know, a former president can be forced to follow the law, then it could happen to any of us. Any of us could at any given time be asked to follow the law. So I do want to say, Aaron, that when I left the White House, I didn't take the opportunity to try to flush anything down the toilet, though. Mm, I mean, missed opportunity, TBH. I mean, (laughs) and I'm just going to say something that is is uh, very woo woo here. But Donald Trump has historically had a very wild Leo season. Just gonna say that it's always it's always wild for him. The chickens are always coming home to roost. He should learn this by now. Right, right. Well, we're in the find out part of 2022, mm. and uh, find out season has continued to reap rewards for a lot of people. Um, so before we get into stuff that's a little bit more state by state and not like the type of thing you'd see lighting up cable news chirons. Um, I want to give some credit where it's due. I think that, you know, President Biden has had a really good couple of weeks, not just like politically, but in terms of like actually getting stuff done. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not even going to try to explain the whole dark brand and meme thing. If you want to figure it out, you can go ahead and Google it. I don't quite get it. Um, But but just to uh, take a look at some of the things that that President Biden has accomplished in the last 10 days. Inflation Reduction Act, it's huge. The Senate, historically, so bad at getting anything done for climate or anything at all, getting anything done at all. Um, But the Senate got it done. Uh, They also passed the PACT Act, which was the one that um, enabled uh, soldiers who had been near burn pits. Uh, thank you, John Stewart. Uh, mm-hmm. He was really out there. I, I really think that that wouldn't have happened if not for John Stewart just embarrassing the shit out of everybody. I agree. Um, record job creation, 50-year low unemployment rate. Gas prices have fallen. Uh, we have the executive action on reproductive rights, which, you know, we've got our own issues with. But it's it's not nothing. Yeah. Well, okay. All right. Not nothing. Uh, Finland and Sweden joining NATO. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. A lot of stuff done. Oh, and then also, you know, that terrorist. Second worst terrorist out there, it sounds like. Being like the worst terrorist out there is one of those job titles that you're like, oof, not going to have this title for long. It's like, no. being the ol- it's like being the oldest person in the world. You're like, well, there's a limited time that this is going to be me. <laughs> Just by the nature of the way that things tend to work. Um, anyway, okay, let's move on to some stuff that is a little bit under the radar, but still super important. So mm. listeners of the show know we love teachers. We're big, big proponents, big fans of teachers. Alyssa, your mom worked in a school for, works in a school. Yeah, 27 years and, and, and counting, knock wood, again. 
Yeah. My mom also works in a school. My sister is a teacher. We've got teachers all over the place, up and down. I think teaching is a 75% female profession. Yep. Um, and, and so what happens to teachers is something that is like directly... Uh, directly impacts women in general, and uh, especially because it also impacts like where kids go during the day, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So right now, a lot of talk about a teacher shortage. Mm-hmm. And the question seems to be, are we in a teacher shortage or are we in a respect for teacher shortage? Alyssa, I would love to hear you go into this. It feels a little bit like yes to both. Um, I think that if you look at some of the sort of things that are happening in states. It's interesting the states that are claiming some of the biggest shortages, okay? I'm just going to like go over. We're going to see if there's a common thread, okay? So in Texas, uh, such a teacher shortage that rural school districts are going to a four-day-a-week school week. It's a pretty it's a pretty big fucker for parents, I'm going to say. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a fucking problem. Yeah. No, 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 no daycare is going to just like take kids one day a week. Yeah. Um, Florida is asking veterans with no teaching background to teach. Uh, Arizona is allowing college kids to teach their students. Um, So I'm going to say that the common thread here is that these states all have governors who have become educational overlords and who have, in large part, undermined the hard work of so many teachers in the state who I think have been like, fuck this shit, Mm -hmm. right? How much are they supposed to take? How much responsibility are they supposed to bear? How, as a teacher, if I were a teacher and someone was like, you know what? We have a gun problem in this country and our, our answer is not to limit the kinds of people who can get guns, but to make sure you, teacher, have a gun. So it will be entirely your responsibility should a gunman enter the school. I mean, Erin, this is fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. And schools all over are having this problem, but very specifically in some of the states that I have mentioned. Now, Nevada is doing something interesting. Erin, they're paying their teachers more. What? They're paying them more? Oh my god! I, 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 you know what? Jury's still out on whether people like money. It is, or whether they feel appreciated when you pay them more, not less. Hmm. Uh, Nevada has raised starting salaries by seven thousand dollars and are offering teachers retention bonuses of four thousand dollars. Aaron, now I think that that is wonderful. I still think that, as you and I have talked about a gazillion times before. Teachers across this country, more than anyone can possibly imagine, have to pay out of pocket to stock their classrooms with everything they need. So really, when you think about that $4,000, it's a dent based on some of the carts and lists that we see that teachers have um, for things they need in their classroom. But we will still give Nevada a shout out for doing the right thing and paying them more. Yeah, definitely the right thing is to pay teachers more And, you know, this, we should mention that what is happening right now is not a mistake in, in states like Texas and uh, Florida, for example, Um, places where teachers are leaving the profession in droves because they're underpaid, demonized, Mm -hmm. um, made scapegoats. And despite the fact that in a lot of cases they have to have master's degrees 
or constantly be going to continuing ed. Um, they're treated as as basically uh, babysitters. Babysitters, right. And they're not. And uh, all of this is by design because I think it's really important for our listeners to understand the conservatives in this country want to see a breakdown of public education. They want to see public education cease to exist and uh, be replaced by religious education yep. and education that benefits corporations. Everything would be privatized and for profit or quote unquote not for profit if it's a religion, but like what whatever. What is a more profitable uh, institution than a religion? I mean, have you seen the Vatican? That thing is like gilded. Um, <laughs> but I, that's 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 their whole design. And it's going to be, I'm just putting up, you know, looking through my crystal ball, if they get their way, it's going to end up being one of those triumphs in American innovation where we take something functional but flawed and replace it with something way more expensive that everybody hates and then eventually we reinvent the old thing again. Yes. So th that's that's what's going to happen here. Um, it's sort of like how uh, they're opening up Blockbuster stores again because people actually miss going to Blockbuster. Are they really? Yeah. Isn't that funny? I had no idea. I know. I sort of miss the like ritual of getting. But anyway, not saying the public education is like a Blockbuster store, but conservatives want to break it down. And like build back worse. Yes. And uh, that's that's what all of this is about. So um, if you are somebody who is living in a state where teachers are undervalued, um, it's really important to make that an issue that helps you decide who to vote for and, and make that something that you press your elected uh, representatives on. Mm -hmm. uh, OK, let's see. OK, this is a, this story from this week is like bad all the way down. Oh, I know where you're going. There is nothing good about this story, but I think the crime aside, what it tells us is that our digital communication, when it comes to anything, it is not is not safe. Um, so Facebook gave police in Nebraska access to a teenage girl's uh, Facebook, like private Facebook messages. Um, Facebook gave them to the police directly yeah, as uh, in response to a court order. And in those messages, they found that um, this girl and her mother bought medication to induce an abortion online and then uh, disposed of the body of the fetus. And um, so the crime itself, I, d I don't want to no. get into it because it's definitely like it, it was definitely a crime. There's clearly a lot of tragic details in this story that led to the crime happening. Right. Um, but I think it's really important for people to know that if Facebook does this for this case, what is to keep Facebook from doing this in any case where anybody attempts to have an abortion against the law in whatever state you're living in? Right. I was going to say that the part of the story, too, I think that's worth highlighting is also sort of the duplicity, shocking, of Facebook, which is that they very willingly complied with this court order. And it's the same company that said they will ban anybody from their platforms that talks about providing abortion drugs, um, you know, via the mail or anything like that. So they definitely, it's pretty clear what side of this they come down on, it feels like. Well, what's interesting, though, is if you talk to people who actually work for Facebook, I would guess that that's not 
their individual. I would agree. No, that's absolutely. I bet that's absolutely right. I'm I'm very curious with people who are working for Facebook or Meta. Um, think about this. And if you're if you are a Facebook or Meta employee that's upset about it, or you've noticed that a lot of people are upset. Uh, I mean, you can email us. I, we would welcome an email from you. But you should also talk to like a reporter. Like a ah, totally. Just there's tons of them. They they've all got encrypted emails that will not be turned over to authorities. Um, so yeah, I would. That's just you know, that's just my chaotic little food for thought. Choose chaos. That is the that is the vibe this year is chaos. Um, Indiana. Hmm. So I'm going to tell you a little story about Indiana. One of my I went to college in Indiana. One of my dearest friends from college uh, is from. Indiana as well. And her parents are sort of like right of center type voters, like Catholic churchgoers or whatever. And after the Dobbs decision came down in June, um, she she basically told me that her, her mom just totally didn't believe that elected representatives in Indiana would actually enact a ban. A ban. Really? They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. And uh, they did. They did. So Indiana has banned abortion without exception for rape and incest. It's one of the strictest laws in the nation. And it's something that I think is a little case study of what's going to happen in a bunch of states over the next several months. And that is people who are maybe right of center voters who have voted for Republicans in the past or who are maybe not that politically active, maybe came out and voted for Barack Obama once. And maybe. then they were like, ah, I'm going to call it a day. Um who believe that their state will not do this. Mm-hmm. You're, if you have a Republican-controlled state legislature and a Republican governor, your state will do this. This is what your state is going to do. And denying it and telling yourself that that wouldn't happen and that they would have to have a heart um, and that that having, you know, Indiana, site of the 10-year-old girl from Ohio who had to have an abortion after she was uh, the victim of sexual abuse. Uh, Indiana still, despite that example of how these laws can be extremely cruel right in the center of their state, still decided to do this. And an interesting thing that I thought about some of these uh, stories about Indiana is that one, Eli Lilly, Big Pharma, came out and was like, oh, hey, oh, what are you doing here? Uh, based in Indiana and will uh, reconsider their expansion plans now since Indiana is not a safe place to bring people. And notoriously conservative Chamber of Commerce in Indiana was like, oh, uh, this is not good for us. So I do think that, I mean, it may take a while. I do think people are starting to be like, oh, hey, just like you said, like they think, oh, no, it's not going to happen here. And now it's happening and they're seeing the repercussions that it's going to have throughout the state, not just on people who are being denied reproductive health care. Right, exactly. It's going to have an effect on the state's economy. But I was just thinking about this, you know, in the context of like choosing a university, right? So this law goes into effect on September 15th. If I were, you know, if, if you could have baby Aaron, baby Aaron was 18 years old and about to go off to the University of Notre Dame. And I found that this had just happened. At, yeah. In the state where I was about to go to college, I would strongly consider transferring after my freshman year. If I were a high school senior taking a look at what college to go to. Absolutely. I would not consider going to college in a state with such awful abortion restrictions. Um, Mm -hmm. 
it it's it it just seems like this is going to really cause both a money drain and a brain drain in these states. And a lot of these states, to be honest, cannot afford to drain any more brain, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is brain. Brain exists. It should it should not be drained, but it will be drained. Um, I uh, yeah, this is this is a preview of what's going to happen over the next few months. And if you're living in a state where you have a gerrymandered all the fuck legislature and there is a gubernatorial election, Pennsylvania, Mm. uh, you need to be really cognizant of the fact that the only person standing in between you and a total Indiana style abortion ban is your governor. It's your governor. It's your governor. Okay, so we're kind of ending on a low note, but we do have two toasts. We do. Aaron, R.I.P. Olivia Newton-John, a fucking Mm. great one. Um, Mm. I love, okay, so I know everyone was like super into Grease, physical, one of my favorite songs. I remember putting leg warmers on and doing the video dance. We didn't have MTV, but my neighbors did. Um, She's a... Beloved. She was beloved. And, uh, you know, she had a long fight with cancer. 73, too young. Too, too young. That's that's too young. Sad. Hopefully she knew how how much the world loved her before she uh, before she passed. Yeah. And and I'm just going to say Greece was a formative movie for me in my childhood. It was a sleep sleepover movie. I think we watched it the summer before um, the summer before fifth grade or something at this big right before you know, right before school started. And the first semester of school until it got too cold to do recess outside, everybody in fifth grade would gather. And maybe it was fourth grade. I feel like fifth grade was maybe too old for this. We would all gather during recess and we made up this big, like choreographed dance number to it. And the boys had a part and the girls had a part. That's amazing. Yeah. And there was a part where, because there's like this big gymnastics program in my school um, and there was a part where we would like take turns running and flipping down the, the middle of a line of two people. Whoa! Yeah. So we have Olivia Newton-John to thank for that very strange memory. I think that's also the year that our playground melted and then flash froze the next night. And so it was all ice and we weren't allowed to go outside unless we were wearing ice skates. <laughs> Could you imagine that now? Be like, bring your ice skates to school. Yeah. Strap. You know what? Your kids can go outside if they strap some blades on their feet first. <laughs> Seems like a liability issue, but no. And make sure they carry them on the bus yes. with them. Yes. We, d- we did it. We did it though. And nobody got stabbed. So R.I.P. Olivia Newton. R.I.P. Olivia. <laughs> um, another toast. Serena Williams uh, has been uh, the best tennis player in the world. The true GOAT. For a very long time. And she is retiring after this upcoming tournament uh, to spend more time being with her family. Uh, I don't understand tennis. People have tried to explain it to me so many times. But I do understand that Serena Williams is maybe the best ever. Ever. Not best woman ever. Best tennis player ever. Best tennis player ever. So toast to Serena Williams. Okay, we have to take a quick break. But before we do, a reminder. Alyssa and I have been doing these periodic check-ins on different state-by-state level ridiculousness, or as we call it, fuckery. We're calling it our tour de fuckery. If you live in a state where something wacky is going on politically and you want us to talk about it on the show, throw a little shine and shade 
on it. Uh, you can email us hysteria at crooked.com. We've gotten so many good tips from listeners and we love hearing from you. Hysteria at crooked.com. Okay, let's take a quick break. We will be right back. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I just like, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, <laughs> not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. And welcome back. You are listening to Hysteria, the podcast where all the women can dunk. See, it ties into our news segment. It's really good. Yeah, where all the women can dunk. Um, Alyssa, when's the last time that your mother or father took a look at what you were wearing and said, you leaving the house in that? Or is that what you're wearing? I mean, Erin, I'm not going to say it was forever ago. (laughs) Like, re- like within the last year? Like recently? I mean, my mom's gotten a little diplomatic once I reached almost 50, and she's like, huh, that's new. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. When you were growing up, did you have parents who kind of weighed in on your choices around your, like, aesthetics or the way that you presented yourself? Or did they kind of just let you do what you wanted? For the most part, they let me do what I wanted to, but, like, to put – 
to to give my mom the credit she is owed on this, my mother went to fashion school and I dressed like Eddie Vedder in high school. So I mean, <laughs> when she was like, oh, that gap flannel seems big. <laughs> I mean, you know, she was she was a buyer for Bloomingdale's. Uh, so I would say that just the mere fact that she only said that was a real testament. Oh, great, great. Well, I'm really excited to talk about like parental input into the way that we present ourselves today with the rest of this panel. I'm going to bring them in right now. You can catch her live at the Punchline Philly on September 1st through the 3rd. She's our favorite bus face. It's Kieran Deal. <laughs> Hi, Aaron. Hi, Alyssa. How are you guys doing? It's been a minute. It's been a minute. How are you? I, I know. I'm good. I just got back from the Pacific Northwest, a little stint, Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, and got a chance to meet a lot of uh, lovely Hysteria fans and human person. Oh, wow. People who want to say hello, hello to you, you know, in person, and I'm here to translate that message. You know, and love our next guest, her book, You Sound Like a White Girl, The Case for Rejecting Assimilation is out now. And her MSNBC special, The Culture is Latina, is streaming now on Peacock. It's Julissa Arce. Hi. So it's not like I was like a guest on the special. It was Justina Machado's special. Like she hosted it. Okay. But, you know, it was it was nice. It was fun. We had a lot of fun um, taping it. It was uh, it was a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> Can you it. give us some examples of the fun? It sounds yeah. like you're you're speaking very like you're like I need to be careful. <laughs> I mean, we definitely drank a lot of wine. Okay, now we're getting um, to it. While we were like taping it, and um, I didn't have nails that day. Like I just had not had time to go get my nails done, and they were like really short and sad. And so I like door dashed some press on nails and put them on while I had was getting my hair and makeup done. And we like didn't want to leave. Like when the thing was over, we were like, can we get another round of drinks? And, and, they, were like, <laughs> and they were like, no, we like the, the, the taping's over. You guys have to go. We were like, oh. <laughs> we were like, actually go. Go home. Yeah. Go home. Mm, get out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you will be escorted out. This facility is being used for something else. Oh, that sounds really fun. I'll have to check that out because I do have Peacock because Peacock is one of the good ones. Yeah, there you go. One it, of the good it, streamers. And I think they did a really awesome job because we taped for like three hours, but the special was only an hour. Mm. Um, but I think they did a really great job of keeping in all the good stuff. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. Um, well, I'm excited to check that out. Let's let's get into the topic for today, which is parental input on personal choices. Kieran. It's been a really long time since you've been on the show and we missed you dearly and I missed the sound of your voice and I want to hear how old you were the last time your parents felt uh, as though they had input into your personal choices and if that's still something that that is a part of your life. You know, I thought about this question. It's such a nuanced question, Ryan. There's so many layers, the layer cake of this question, you know, given that my mother is a listener of this program. <laughs> how does... Well, so I guess that answers the question. How does, one, <laughs> how does one answer a question like this, you know? So the next time your mother will have input on your personal choices will be tomorrow. <laughs> you know what's funny is that it, 
like I actually I really I really do trust my mother with like a lot of I'll I'll like run stuff by her, you know, I'll like not that she's a professional, but like just have her read something or whatever. And she has this phrase that she'll always use. She'll be like, she'll, she'll watch a movie or she'll listen to a show or something. And then she'll be like, I don't know, kid. And I didn't like that one. It was too choppy. <laughs> it was choppy. Like that's all she'll say is that it was choppy. So that could mean anything from like the characters weren't developed to, you know, the, <laughs> the storyline was kind of disjointed to, you know, she didn't under what, but it's, it'll just be choppy. So the it's either choppy or it's not choppy. And as long as you get a notch, it's a pass fail grade. It's like Harvard Law School. <laughs> <laughs> so as long as you get not choppy, you're good. Interesting. I mean, have you found um, that you have asked your mother to assess the choppiness of things more, like less as you get older, or has she been a a kind of long term? choppiness assessor in your life? A pretty long-term choppiness assessor. What I thought was interesting about this question is there's all these ways in which what your parents model for you become habits that you have and you don't even realize you have those habits, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. So it's like they show you how to live and then you don't even realize there's another way to live. So for instance, both of my parents are probably like kind of workaholics. You know, um, there isn't a ton of great work-life balance. I don't even think I knew that there was like another way to be, you know, kind of, I just didn't have, I just didn't have the examples of it. So it's, it's stuff like that I would say is really fascinating to me is like, you know what you know because of who you grow up with and around. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Julissa, same question for you. Um, do your parents have input over your life choices and has that been pretty constant through your adulthood? Hmm. Yes and no, because so I have a very I have a very d- different relationship with with my mom um, because I I sort of feel like sometimes like I'm the adult in the relationship. So I kind of I don't. But but the, but the things that my mom tells me still very much like affect me you know like if she doesn't approve of something I definitely keep it in the back of my mind like I was just in Mexico City with her um, not that long ago and Fiona was like hey you're gonna be in Mexico City if you want to get some ink like my my tattoo artist friend is in Mexico City and I said to her if my mom wasn't with me I totally would go do it but my mom can barely stand to see the tattoos I already have. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, so taking her with me to get one would probably not be great. So things like that, like I definitely, I definitely keep, you know, it's like, it's like a pressure I feel for sure. Mm-hmm. What did your mom say the first time she became aware of a tattoo you had? She was like devastated. It was like, <laughs> it was like I had just, I don't know, like robbed a bank and gotten caught or something. Like she was just like, thought, you know, she's like only criminals get tattoos. <laughs> 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 like you are not in prison. Like, why are you, why are you, um, uh, you know, like ruining your body? And it, like, yeah, she was just very, she was very against tattoos. Like, she just couldn't believe she she said she said things like you're a professional like people look up to you why are you doing this and I'm just like mom <laughs> it's like I'm like this is art this is a, a form of art it's like an expression of art and she's just like 
I just can't believe you would do something like that to me. <laughs> Interesting. See that? Okay. I can't believe that you would do something like that to me is such a common parental sentiment, yeah. I think. Um, Alyssa, have you ever had that thrown at you? Like you making a choice about yourself and your life is being conflated as you doing something to your parents? No. It's funny because when we were talking about the topic. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it was funny because if you look at my first book, the page, the first page of the book is a picture of me as a baby with my Aunt Ellen. Who listens? Hi, Aunt Ellen. Um, and it's and it's dedicated to my parents and it says, for letting me be me since 1976. And it's true. They just kind of like, the only thing they couldn't tolerate was stupidity. You know, if you did something just so fucking stupid, um, which I did. My I did, mom would and, categorize getting that tattoo. <laughs> I, could under, I could see how that might fall into it potentially. But no, they were always just kind of like they were kind of free to be people and didn't have like traditional paths in life sort of, you know. And so I think as long as I could like I was productive in any way, they were like, all right, <laughs> she's doing OK. <laughs> like. I think that's true for my mom too. It's like there was there was like a I think in her family it was a very rigid like you need to you need to do this. The girls weren't allowed to leave the house. The girls weren't allowed to like go out and like kick it once they were in England, you know, and they came from India. So there was like a lot of rules. Be like this, do it like this, fit into this square peg even if you're, you know, a triangle. And so Rea her reaction to that was like, I'm going to fix it on my kid, you know, <laughs> I'll fix it with my, I'll, I'll like, you can do whatever you want. But she said to me one time, like, I think I brought home a grade that wasn't good. I was in kindergarten or whatever. And she goes, Kieran, as long as you like do your best, that's all that matters. And I remember it stressing me the fuck out because I was like, <laughs> do you know how good my best? I was like, do you know how good my, my best? Well, shit, that's, that's gotta be pretty good you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's so funny um I used to get I used to get a lot from my parents about like gender interactions like for whatever mm. reason they were very hung up on I wasn't allowed to go to parties where there was going to be boys like mm. you're in, you know we're in first grade <laughs> like what are we gonna do smash our faces together like Barbies at worst <laughs> You know, like, but I was, it was really strict. Uh, I wasn't really allowed to go to boy girl parties. Um, and then when I got to be, you know, I went to a Catholic university and all the dorms were segregated boy girl. And uh, after I was in college, when I moved to Chicago, I like, they were really weird about me having like a boy roommate. They mm. really got mad when I mm. when I almost had a roommate who was a boy and they were like he was we weren't romantically involved we were just friends and um they got really really upset about it and the first time I I cohabitated with a male partner um I had to like psych myself up for that conversation with them I was an adult working at Merrill Lynch and I had to like <laughs> mom I got you know I was I had my own apartment. They didn't pay for anything. Like all of it, like, I don't know why I was still so like worried and they still weren't happy about it. My mom told me not to tell my dad. Um, I was like 25, 26. Like, don't tell your dad that you're doing this thing <laughs> as an adult that you made this decision. And, uh, and then eventually I just sort of like realized that I could just do what I wanted and they couldn't really do anything to me. 
You know, like there is a slow adult realization that's like, yeah, I'm not going to like, you know, roll into their house for holidays and insist on like having my boyfriend sleep in my bedroom or whatever, because that wasn't allowed either. Um, But also like when I'm living my own life and doing what I want, they can't really do anything to me, you know, and that felt kind of liberating, you know, but there was like some rocky, some rocky times where I was like, oh God, I got to pretend that I don't live with my boyfriend now. (laughs) Um, And it was, it was really, uh, it was really strange. Um, Julissa, what did your mom disapprove of when you were growing up? Like, was there anything that you remember specifically that she was like fixated on? Oh my God. I, I, I feel like my mom thinks I was like this really um, like this, this kid who just got in trouble all the time. Like, I feel like she, she thought it was like a troublemaker, but like, I never thought of myself as a troublemaker. Like I was always just at the wrong place at the wrong time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jalisa, did the dog eat your homework too? (laughs) That's your real housewives intro. I'm a troublemaker. I'm just, just in the wrong trouble place. Trouble follows it's me. It's not my it's fault. It's such a good quote. I hope they put that in the Peacock special. <laughs> <laughs> I really feel like that really was true, though. Like, I was not, like, a troublemaker kid. and But, like, I was always getting in trouble when I was a kid. I do feel part of it was, like, I was acting out probably because magically when I got in trouble, my mom would, my mom and my dad would come from the U.S. to Mexico and have to go to the principal. So it was, like, a good chance to see them. So that's probably part of it. Uh, but I do think that I, I, I don't know, like when I, well, when I was in, when I was in high school and I was already living in the U.S., I got a tongue ring and Ooh! that was a fun reaction. I mean, <gasps> if you think the tattoo reaction was bad, that was just like, that's it. They had lost me. I was like lost forever. Um, she oh made me gosh. take it out, which was really upsetting because it cost a lot of money and it hurt a lot. <laughs> and then before like even two weeks, I had to like take it out because I was trying to hide it from her. You know, I was like trying to hide the tongue ring, which is a really hard thing to hide, especially when you first get it because your tongue is swollen. You can't like really talk normal. Um, so I think it was just like stuff like that. Like she just didn't understand like, why are you doing all these things? You know, that was like always her thing it was like, what have I done? Like, why are you doing all these things? And I'm like, it's, mm-hmm. this is not that bad. Like, I'm not out there doing bad things. It's just a little tongue ring. <laughs> I can't believe that. Just I totally the part of my brain that remembered that tongue rings existed. I know <laughs> had been wiped. And I was just like, oh, yeah, people used to do that all the time. It, all I mean, the time. Yeah, like, I, I, I know why she thought I was getting a tongue ring. Which is like not why I was getting a tongue ring at all because well, I was for, not. Can you step that out for us, Jalissa? Why did your mom think that you were getting a tongue ring? I definitely did not get it for that reason. I was not engaged in those activities. So that so that my mom who's listening could can understand why your mom was worried about the tongue ring. Can you just explain it? Because I'm super confused. <laughs> My face hurts. Uh, I was not engaged in those activities. 
uh, at that stage in my life. I was not engaged in those activities. You All of a sudden, you just become like somebody on the stand, you know? You're like Bill Clinton getting deposed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, did your parents, besides stupidity, mm. was there anything that you just kind of implicit, like you knew that they disapproved of? Like, is there an activity that you're like, if you would have done it, they would have been a little bit like, why are you doing that, Alyssa? Um, I mean, honestly, the thing that drove them the most crazy, here's how I would put it, is that like they were very free to be, but things that infringed upon their like day to day, like I was a slob, mm. you know, like I was a mess. Like, I mean, not just the like dressing like Eddie Vedder, like my room would be a mess. And it was like, it was like the one thing that they asked of me, I would say they were like, look. We're going to let you live your life. I mean, like, they weren't, like, I didn't have, like, a crazy curfew or anything like that. But it was, they weren't crazy about my grades. I always did well. Um, you know, I dressed like a slob. But it was, like, they were, like, we made a nice house. We have a nice home. And your fucking snot rags are everywhere. That was, it used, they used to get so mad. I'd leave dirty tissues everywhere. <laughs> and, which is disgusting. It's objectively disgusting. Oh, and man. a dirty room. And it's, you know, I think it's interesting, too, because my mom came from like my Oma, her mother and and father both came over from Germany during World War II. And it's like they worked so hard to have nice things. Mm. Like they worked so hard to make money. And so I think that, and even to this day, it's like, I'm sure you guys, like there were school clothes and then you got home and you changed to your after school clothes because you saved your school clothes for mm -hmm, nice, mm -hmm. right? And so I think that like things that they worked really hard to give me and my sister that like if you didn't respect it and take care of it that's the thing that would set them into outer orbit I love Alyssa's like my parents were deeply reasonable people who didn't want snot rags around the house <laughs> it was so gross my dad my my dad would get so mad he'd be like well I guess Alyssa was here snot rags around the kitchen table <laughs> oh man Have, having a kid is just signing up for 18 years of having a bad roommate There's yeah it's just having a really bad roommate for 18 years you know it's it's funny I'm the oldest of three and I um I think when I was young and my parents were you know my parents were pretty young when I was born my mom was 23 and like freshly 23. And um, I think that they just really tried, they did the most, you know, mm -hmm. with their oldest kid. They tried so hard to get everything perfect. Um, and this was before they realized that like, it's fine to be, a, it's it's almost better to be a good enough parent than it is to try to be a perfect parent. But um, by the time my sister came along, they kind of were just like exhausted and they were like, nah, it's fine. Go to a boy girl party, whatever, like take a dance class, whatever. Like there are all these things that I wasn't allowed to do that like my brother and sister, I would see them do it. And I'd be like, ah, that's man. bullshit. <laughs> that's that sucks. But by then I was like all the way, like living across the country or whatever. And they because you were the one who broke your parents as the oldest. Is that? Yeah, yes, you broke, I the, wore you them broke down. them. Very true. Yeah. You're you're like the yeah, you broke them in. You're like you house trained them. Yes. Into having children. <laughs> you're welcome, Mike and Mary. I made my parents less uh, intense for I, you. That's true for in South Asian families. Like for like one of the big things for us was like no sleepovers. Like no, mm. no sleepovers. Yeah, mm. no sleepovers. But if you think about it, it's like, cause there's so much. And then the other big thing is that maybe there was less conflict because there's so many secrets. If, if it's around dating, very like don't ask, don't tell policy, right? Like that's not a thing. My parents didn't date and none of my cousins were dating. So it's like, 
You just don't talk about it. That was the solution. So there wasn't conflict, right? There's certain things where if you Mm. come from like, I don't know if you had this, Jalissa, but if you come from like a first generation household and you know that there's like such a disconnect in the culture, it's like you don't need to rock the boat or it's like you don't need to, the way my, I have an uncle who would say this, he's like, I don't like, he's like, do you want some vodka in your drink? Like, and he'll put it when he's in the bar, right? And he was like, I don't want to do it in front of my parents. There's no need to hurt them is kind of the way, like, you, they don't they don't need to hurt them kind of thing. So it was like, um, yeah, but no sleepovers was really big. And I, I laugh about that now because I'm like, for them, it's like, if you think about it, you're like, what is my small child going to do at another person's house at night where, like, you know, <laughs> for 12 hours that you can't do during the day? On, like, with an adult, I don't know. It's like prime molesty time for you know <laughs> like oh, it's just innocent it's just innocent like s'mores and pillow fights get the fuck out of my life this is america <laughs> shit happens here they have jeffrey yeah. Dahmer here you know <laughs> yeah it was always like why do you need to go spend the night at somebody else's house like you're not homeless you have a house you don't need to go anywhere like that was a huge The safety and then just the safety. Right. I think the other piece of it is like the safety. They don't like I don't know these people like what's going to happen to you. Are you going to get diddled at this other house? You know, (laughs) (laughs) well, the the, one of the biggest bullshits is like how different boys and girls are treated. Oh, yeah, that's immigrant families. Like it's so annoying. Like my little brother can do no wrong. He was allowed to do all sorts of things I was not ever allowed to do. It's like, it's just a bunch of BS. Like, that's one of the things that angers me so Very much. true in South Asian families, too. This is this was recent. I went, to a, I went to a wedding like three years ago. And at the wedding, my mom was like, Gideon, if you could just like not drink at the wedding, you know, if you could just not drink... Like, that would be really good because everyone already thinks that you're all... And I was like, what do they think, Mom? <laughs> <laughs> what do they think you were doing at yeah, Harvard? Yeah, exactly. No, but it's like, but what? because like, I'm in LA doing... What are, you, what are you, this comedian talks about pussies and curses. Like, who is this? Who is, you know what I mean? Who is this girl? What does she do? But it was like, if you... So they thought the drinking was like the the external symptom of all your pussy talk it was just yeah it was just I know but it was literally like at this wedding she's like if you could please not drink at the wedding and I remember it's not that big of a deal to ask somebody to not drink for two or three hours but there was something about the principle of it you know and like and then I had to ask there was literally I I, because I remember it made my blood boil it was like there was an 18 year old cousin of mine who like who was asking me for career advice and then he had to go and get me a drink from the bar because like I couldn't be seen going to the bar. He was like, do you want anything? And I was like, you're an idiot. You know, like you're asking me for stuff. Why are you getting me my drink? I'm a grown up. And I'm like stomping my foot like a little child. Anyway. Yeah. A lot of double, there are double standards, cultural double, Such yeah, double cultural double standards that fill me with a, uh, a brim fire, brimstone of rage, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, my my mom, like I think she listens. I don't know if she's going to listen this week because school is about to be back in session. She's a school administrator, kind of busy time of year. Um, but she is not a fan of weed. She super hates weed, hates it so 
much. What did like, we do or- to her? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that she spent so many years as a teacher and are working in high schools and like confiscating weed from the bad kids. I think she has this like just link in her head of like that's the thing the bad mm. kids do, and it's just and it cannot be broken and. You know, I I actually think weed is less bad than uh, alcohol in terms Mm -hmm. of a a, a social uh, thing. But um, when she comes up to visit, I mean, I live in a place where it's legal. I live in a place I'm married to a person who, um, you know, imbibes. I don't currently because I'm I'm breastfeeding. But, you know, it's legal. It's legal. It is not illegal for us to have marijuana in our house or like edibles in our house. And, you know, as our daughter gets older, we'll have to like secure them or whatever. But when my mom visits, we hide that shit. (laughs) Even though like it's totally legal and it's like, you know, we're adults. It's our house. You know, my husband is a man who is over 40. Like he's capable of, you know, he's he can make his own decisions. We're just like, you know what? Peggy can't know about the weed or she can't, it's, she can't have it in her face. You know, it's just too, um, it, it, it just it bothers hurts her. her and it hurts like, her. And like, why are you yeah. going to hurt her for no reason? I think it's yeah. such a, exactly. Yeah. I, I would never admit to my mom that I smoke weed from time to time or have an edible here and there. Like that would just like devastate her. That's because it's hard for you to formulate those words with the tongue ring. <laughs> in your mouth you know just the- I have not had a tongue ring since 2001 <laughs> <laughs> wait how long did the tongue ring live how long was it less there? than two weeks oh man but then I got it again when I was a freshman in college because oh, no, what? no around <laughs> oh man uh, Ryan was there in your family was it like you know you said that your parents had problems with boy girl parties but what about for your brother was it different for your brother um, Mike straight up had girlfriends. Mike straight up. Ha- he was like the most pop. He was like the cute boy in like second grade on. He was like one of the, the boys that the girls in his class got crushes on. And yeah, he had a he had like girlfriends all the way through like middle school and high school. Ooh. And he, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was not like I would not have even dared try to have a boyfriend First of all, the boys that my parents thought were okay were dorks. Um, second, uh, yeah, I just I just didn't even – it was like a headache that I didn't – I was like, I don't even want to cause them this headache of me trying to have a boyfriend. Um, Did that feel like gendered? Was that a gendered double standard or was that just like a first kid versus breaking your parents in? I mean, I, I think that now – um, so now there's like four, four grandkids, two uh, grandsons and two granddaughters, and I think that – my parents have like calmed a little bit with age. So I think it was a combination of a gendered double standard and the, them just like calming down a little bit and, and being a little bit less over the top about it. But yeah, it did. It did feel a little gendered. My parents are very progressive people for the most part. Um, they vote progressive. They're, you know, the, the debates in our family on the holidays uh, tend to be like you know, Bernie versus Hillary, you know, not like (laughs) Trump versus Biden or, you know, like we're very politically, politically to the left, but in terms of the lifestyle that they lived in the home that they made for us, it was very conservative Mm. Um, and conservative, including in the ways that there was differences in the way that um, 
the boy and the two girls retreated. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what culture that is, like prairie culture, uh, <laughs> Midwestern Catholic culture, but it was definitely well, Catholic like probably too. That's pretty Catholic. Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty like what you're describing is like has a lot of Catholicism in its, you know. Yeah, but we were like help the poor Catholics. We weren't like picket abortion clinic Catholics. You know what I mean? Like two different, it was a different type of Catholicism back then. It wasn't as nuts. But yeah, it was, I mean, that that probably could have been part of it, but it also is like kind of old fashioned, quote unquote, traditional views of gender. But sex and sex, I would say specifically sex mm-hmm. and sexuality within the realm of Catholicism mm-hmm. can be quite guilt inducing for a lot of you know. Yeah. yeah, it is like interesting. Like, um, I was at a wedding and we took my mom. Um, we were in Colombia and we took my mom to this wedding. And like, I was drinking at the wedding and maybe I was like getting a little tipsy. And my mom was like, "You need to stop drinking. Uh, you need to respect your husband. Like, your husband is here with you, and you're like drinking Ooh! too much." And I was like, "What the fuck?" Like, I, I was <laughs> like, "Do you see Fernando? Like, he's drinking too. Like, it's a wedding. Like, we're having a good time." But it was like so shocking that my mom would say that to me at at this stage in my life because I thought we were over it you know like I thought we were sort of over the whole the husband runs the household the husband's the head of the household like I did not know that my mom still had some of those views and beliefs Mm -hmm. so to me I was like what the hell like I can't drink because I have to respect my husband like what that was so weird yeah. yeah, tradition clashing with like reality yeah. is is always an, a strange moment. Yeah, because- I was like Fernando's over here being like, take another shot with me. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do I? He's telling, he's asking me. I need to respect my husband by taking this shot. <laughs> Have you ever had the counter of that? Like when my mom came to Los Angeles one time. Like you're Ryan, you're talking about like the weed, but my mom came and she was, uh, she asked me. She was like oh, well, weed's legal. Like, can we can we go get some of those gummies? You know? <laughs> so she wanted to get them because she, like, she goes, oh, she remembers Ooh. when she was in India and they would put bang, which is weed, in pakoras. They would cook it into food because it just like grew Ooh. on the street. And I was like, I remember being like really surprised. And she was like, so I'm like, listen, I'm not a big fan of weed. But sure, I'll take you to the weed shop, mother, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like my mom grew up in the 70s and I'm like, I'm pretty sure she part, you know, she she probably tried it in the 70s at some point, but she would never admit it. She would never. I'm curious, did anyone have that though? Any like, like a thing where like your parents surprised you by like their their curiosity or an open, you know what I mean? Like the weed thing surprised me with Hmm. my mom. I think that's a, that's a really good question. Like, I don't think, I mean, my parents like never really, alcohol was not something that was like moralized in our house, except you weren't supposed to do it when you were not an adult. Um, like, but otherwise they just didn't really like care. You know, it's, it's very, I mean, the last name of Ryan, we, uh, We drink. Um, But I think, uh, yeah, I think there are some things that that parents have surprised me with, but I don't want to blow it up on the the (laughs) podcast because one of the things I was like, oh, my goodness, that's interesting. Um, But, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll just I'll just just leave it at that. Wow. No, definitely not. Not key parties. I mean, our parents were all 
I think of that age where they would have been in the key party demo, but no key party type scenario. Thruples. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I want to say um, one thing that I have found tends to be a way that parents try to weigh in on their adult children uh, on their lives is is having opinions about marriage and child rearing. Mm. Um, Alyssa, did you ever feel pressure or like questions around whether or not you were going to get married or have kids? Did that ever come from your parents? No, no, it really a- didn't. They were like, like I was doing shit, you know, so I think they were just glad I was a productive person. And again, like they're just very, very liberal And so it was like, you live your best life. You do whatever's good for you, you know? I mean, at one point, my mom was like, how many cats are you going to get? That's kind of the most (laughs) that she's. (laughs) Oh, no. Like, I I showed her a picture. This was a while ago. I showed her a picture of a cat. She goes, oh, are you getting another one? Like, she loves them. But, you know, I think that's the one. That's the one sort of little bit of like, oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Too many cats. Too many cats. But she loved shrimp. When I my first cat that I had, he had to go stay with them for a while because I was like in between places that I was living. I mean, she developed a whole language with him. She's like, I can't help it if Shrummy likes num nums at four o'clock in the morning. Okay, I'm up and I give it to him, Alyssa. All right, what do you want from me? And I was like, I don't know. He's never going to oh be normal God. again. One of the funniest uh, anecdotes ever involving my mother trying to interfere with my adult life was I was in college. I was like 20. Um, my best, one of my best friends was a guy and, uh, I was friends with his friends. I wasn't one of those girls who was like, I only have guy friends. I wasn't like that, but I did. have. Okay, a group of- okay good. Cause it was about to be a thing. No, no. But I did have a group of guy friends who were all like really nice and cool and stuff. And, um, we were driving back to college and a long car ride was a prime time for my mother to give opinions on what decisions <laughs> I should be making. And she was asking me why I wasn't trying to date any of the boys in that group of friends. And I was like, well, because they're my friends, mom. I'm not interested in dating them. I'm actually not really interested in having a boyfriend right now. And she just got so mad at me. And she goes, the world is not Seinfeld and you are not Elaine. <laughs> That's awesome. Love it. Love. Love Mama Ryan. It was so funny. I like, I was one of those things where I was like, she really like, she crafted that line. Like she, she came up with it and she's like, this this would be a good thing for me to say. And she said it and it was hilarious. And like (laughs) 15 years yeah, it landed for sure. And then and then years and years later, I was like well into adulthood and my mom had sort of like abandoned trying to like encourage me to like date or marry like a nice guy. And um, and then eventually I did. But she uh, she uh, sent me a text message one day out of the blue that just said I was wrong when we had that fight. You are kind of like Elaine. <laughs> it was like it was like it was like fifteen years later. Um, she was like feeling bad about trying to pressure me about marriage when I was like twenty years old. Julissa, I wonder if your parents ever like tried to pressure you about marriage or family stuff. Oh hell no! My dad would have been happy if I never married and became a nun. <laughs> Like like the farther away I stayed from boys, the happier my dad was. Um, But my mom, like it's it's actually been really nice because 
I do think that like in Latino families, there is sort of a lot of, a lot of pressure to like have kids, especially once you get married. It's like they spend their whole lives telling you don't have sex. And then as soon as you get married, they're like, when are we going to have a grandkid? <laughs> um, <laughs> but my mom hasn't been like that at all. Like she's been very like she doesn't really ever ask about it. Um, and Fernando's parents are sort of similar. Like I've never felt any kind of pressure from my mother-in-law um, to like have kids at some point I did think like they sort of just resigned themselves to like, maybe we're never going to have kids because, um, she started buying my cats toys and treats. Yes. And stuff. <laughs> she was like, I saw, I went to the store and I saw these treats and I just thought, you know, Nico and Pancho would really like them. <laughs> uh, and I thought that was really sweet. Um, but no, not, not really. I think, um, like when I, when I was single, I had like a couple of really hard breakups and it was actually really nice that my mom was always like there for me. And I remember this one time specifically, I was like bawling my ass out, just like crying so much. And my mom was like, it's okay. Like, you know, God is like shaping and molding the man that's going to be for you. And I was like, well, where is he? <laughs> Why is it taking so long to make him? Like, oh. Um, and then now she's like, "See, I told you, you were gonna like Fernando was your guy," and and it's 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 kind of sweet. But no, I'm I'm really glad that I don't have that pressure because, you know, I think that's just like a very personal thing. Like, you don't need anybody else to tell you like whether or not you should have kids. Like, only you and. Only you know and like you and your partner know, you know, if your partner is sort of like a part of it. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely in that respect. I'm very fortunate that I never have had that kind of pressure from my mom. Mm -hmm. Karen, how about you? I know that that you've talked about like there being culture, cultural expectations um, around like gender relations. Um, have you felt any pressure from family members or uh, questions about your life from them? Like when it comes to marriage and children? Yeah. Oh my God. It'll be like, you know, it's like, even if I talk to my grandmother to this day, I'll be like, how are you? She's like, my health is bad. My butt is weird. Like my butt is too small for my body. When are you getting married? <laughs> like, Wait, your grandma says my butt is too small for my yeah. butt. Is her butt she too was like, small? <laughs> when I was over there one time, she was like, can you take a picture of my butt? And then she's like, <laughs> and then she's like, because I want to see what my butt looks like in relation to my body. Is this like too small? But like my grandma, like <laughs> my grandma, you know, got married when she was like 14. It's like she, you know, she she's has maybe a second grade, third grade education. So it's like there's just a huge you kind of have to put it in a context. Right. It's like it's her experience is is really defined by like her opportunity and all of that stuff. So. So, yeah, I mean, I would say that quite a bit of pressure from my grandparents or like, you know, meet somebody. And the thing that's been interesting for me to kind of parse apart, and I think also for my cousins, is like when there's a lot of pressure from any, like, let's say external family or society or culture to like have a partner, get married or to have children. Like when you're young, when you're really young, it's like the reaction is no. I don't want that, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not what I want, you know? Just like that. That's the voice I would use too. No, 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 no. But what's interesting is as an adult is to parse, like, what of that is just the reaction? Which part of that do I actually want? You know what I mean? It's like, because sometimes if, if, like, you're reactionary and you're saying, I don't want those things, is like, is that true? Or is it that, you know, you're just saying, like, no, because you're pushing against the expectation, 
right? Because we are in a culture where it's so like, and Alyssa, I don't know if you have thoughts on this, but it, like, like I can even feel as like my friends, like some of my close friends have had children. It's like those friendships are, you know, they're just like, especially in the first like three years of the child's life. It's basically like I had a friend once who, um, a close friend in Los Angeles. And I remember being like, Hey, let me know whenever you can kick it. Like whenever it's like, we can just kick it together at any time, like just call me or just like, let me know. This bitch did not call me for three years. <laughs> three years. And when she called me, she was like, hey. And I was like, who is this? Like, you're, not <laughs> you're my, like, where have you been? You're not in my phone anymore, girl. You know, like, yeah. So like that, I think there's a thing with like, even just that's not even from your parents, but just in like living in this society. It's like, you know, does that make you feel stuck or left behind? Or like, how do you fit in given the, mm -hmm. given the society that we're in and the way that adulthood becomes structured over time? Right. I think that's such a great, such a great point. Like, what is it that, what is us separating ourselves from, you know, our parents and by taking stances that are necessary for us to form identities separate from them. But what is, what is at our core? What is, what is, what do we want? You know, I think that that's a, that's a great question. And you know what I, just to, just to, we're running out of time, but I think that that's a, when it came to marriage and children, that's something that I only was able to honestly assess when I had enough space. To, sure. What do I really want? And the space that I needed was, the space that I got from living independently and the space that I got from like being physically far away from my family and like the time that I needed to grow into what felt like my own person. And then once I, once I was my own person, I could ask myself, do I want to get married? Do I want to have children? And the answer to both of those questions was yes, but I needed that like time and space It'd be great if you said that the answer was no. And you're like, but here we are. <laughs> Somebody help me. Help. <laughs> um, well, this was a great conversation. Uh, Julissa, I sort of wish that you still had the tongue ring because that would be a really funny reveal. Um, I still have the scar from it. It never went away. Oh, really? <laughs> Just like totally go kiss in the photo with your tongue out. Like, ah. <laughs> I am wearing a Nirvana shirt today. So I kind of feel like it would really go well. Like, you know, we're full fully 90s yeah, right now. 90s. We are. We are 90s burnouts. Uh, we've got Eddie Vedder, Master Monaco up here. <laughs> and, uh, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Everybody stick around. We're going to do a sanity petty when we come back. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details.
welcome back. We've almost reached the end of this episode, but before we do, we've got housekeeping, I feel petty, and sanity corner. Let's get to housekeeping first. Housekeeping. With less than 100 days until the midterms, it's safe to say midterm madness is setting in. Right now, you can find all new Vote Save America merch in the Crooked Store. A portion of every single order on the Crooked Store goes to Vote Riders, the leading organization focused on informing citizens of their state's voter ID requirements and helping them secure the documents they may need to vote. So check out crooked.com slash merch for the latest drop. Then head to votesaveamerica.com to find out how to get involved and do your part in the lead up to this year's midterms. Okay, house has been kept. Let's get on to I Feel Petty and Sanity Corner. I've been really enjoying this like hybrid thing we've been doing. I agree. It's fun. And sometimes I'm just not feeling petty about things. And sometimes I'm like, you know what, Nathan Fielder, sane. Keep doing it. No, this episode, this week's episode made me feel insane, though. Like it's insane. Yeah, it's it's such a good show, but I I felt like I didn't know what was going on at the end of this week's episode. If everybody's watching, want to tweet at me and talk about it, let's talk about it. Okay. Um, Kieran, do you want to go first? What are you feeling petty about or what's your sanity quarter this week? Okay. Um, this is a petty and I, I really love it. Um, it. It's about Pete Davidson. Um, <laughs> it's about Pete Davidson and I know he just broke up with Kim Kardashian and you would think Kieran doesn't normally have opinions about these kinds of things and you would be correct. I don't normally care, but one thing I absolutely love is that every male comedian that I know hates Pete Davidson and it, it, they, he, they hate them in this way that's like it's like a long ranty monologue about how unfair it is that he's not that good looking that he's not that funny why has he gotten all these opportunities why does he get to date all these hot women he's so fake do you know what I mean it sounds like a bitchy woman complaining about a very hot woman and I love it. I'm there for it every time. It's so specific. Every single one of them has similar complaints, but they say it in their own like shitty way. And I'm like, please go on, please go on, go on. You're, this is how I energize. You're giving me life. You're giving me life. Oh yeah. Oh, you don't like it? That, oh, Ariana and Kim made you upset? Tell me more. Please, please tell me more. You know, they're like, how could they get all this stuff? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's, it's great. I've heard there is a double digit reason why he gets all these hot women. <gasps> Just what I've heard. Oh! Interesting. Gosh, what does that mean? Julissa, what does that mean? Is, uh, is that like a tongue ring thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tangentially related to the tongue ring thing. Um, that's interesting. Uh, you know what? I wish I would have never said about the tongue ring now. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? The best, the best, I would say the best way to, in this day and age, to convince people that you actually do have that is to talk about how you don't have it. Ah, because if mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's a reverse psychology that only makes me believe the rumors even more. The fact that he's like, it's not true. It's like, wow. Well, if a guy is talking about not having a big penis, he must have a big penis. <laughs> the way you even said that was so coy. Like just your face as you said it, Ryan was like, it's not true. <laughs> just- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a good liar. Uh, and neither is Pete Davidson. Um, okay, so that that sounds great. I want to 
really zoom in on the next man who doesn't like Pete Davidson and try to just mm-hmm. soak that in. Highly recommend. It will it will just like if you're feeling low energy or tired, it's kind of like a a, a, a jolt of caffeine. It's like a, a shot of espresso into your veins. It's really it's really nourishing. Yeah. It's energizing. It puts a pep in your step. Highly recommend. Do you think he's sort of there and Hathaway? Oh, interesting. <laughs> it felt like for a while the hate for Anne Hathaway was partly based on people didn't like how like perfect she seemed. Sure, sure. You know, like and and how like goody two shoes she seemed like she had all these opportunities. and there I think that people found her irritating for whatever I, I never did, but um I always found it funny to listen to someone try to explain why they didn't like Anne Hathaway because it always it always devolved into and she just she there's just something she just yeah yeah she just it's funny when the men go and I mean he's not even hot he's not even that uh, good looking you know (laughs) men have no idea straight men have have very little idea of what straight women like and it's very it's, it's jazz. Really, really I mean, they're fun. just they're they're get boop, 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 boop. they're just guessing. They're improvising <laughs> at best. At best. Oh man. Oh, that's great. Alyssa, what are you uh petty or sanity corner this week? Mine's a little bit of both. Oh um, nice. so since it got hotter than hell up here and no rain, people have started acting crazy. <laughs> like people are driving crazy on the road. Even I, the other day I was down getting my mail and my neighbor stopped to talk to me and I was like, I'm so sorry. It's too hot to talk to you. I can't talk to you. But everyone's been driving so crazy and we have all these bunnies on my in my yard. And I was feeling really sad because people were going so fast down my road, which is a dirt road, by the way. Um, and I was finding... Dead bunnies. And you guys, of course, I take time to bury them properly. I put little wild flowers on top of them and I thank them for having a good life. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to try. And I bought a road sign that says drive slowly, bunny crossing. And you guys, people have been driving slowly. (laughs) I can see it because you can tell because of the drought by the cloud, the size of the cloud of dust, how fast they're going. Mm -hmm. And guys, since I put the sign up, I know I'm going to jinx myself right now, but since I put the sign up, there haven't been any dead bunnies. I know. I know. But it's like, it's really like the road rage up here has been so intense. And it's like people just beeping at each other for no reason. And all these people have put the Punisher thing on the back of their car. I'm like, what's the Punisher? And then I Googled it. I was like, this is not good. And so anyway, I was glad to see that people of all stripes have started driving slowly because I asked nicely on behalf of the bunnies. Oh, that's really nice. And, you know, I know not to look too far ahead, but Alyssa, when you are a ghost in the future, Mm -hmm. do you think that you will be joined by bunnies as though they are minions? You know what? I I hope in my afterlife, it's just a fucking Disney wonderland of woodland creatures. Just me and all (laughs) the tiny baby animals just haunting people or praising them (laughs) for putting Etsy, please drive slowly, Yes. <laughs> She's Snow White in a flannel. That's exactly it. It's like if Eddie Vedder and Snow White were the same yeah. person. Snow, Snow White and the Seven Plagues? Like Whatever. The after we'll afterlife it. type thing? Oh, my gosh. Oh, okay. <laughs> Here's uh, – I'm feeling petty. This is extremely petty. But um, in the hysteria 
Slack this week, we were talking about uh, doctors and nurse. We were talking about nurses leaving the profession, leaving the ER to work in medical spas administering Botox. And the picture that they chose with the article is a picture of a woman's lips with a needle up to it. Folks, that is not Botox. <laughs> that is not Botox. I don't think anybody, I don't think any photo editors really know what Botox is. Botox does not make your face puffy. It does not freeze your whole face. Botox is like administered by a needle and it goes into your forehead or like your crow's feet or like your armpits or if you get bad headaches, uh, they can treat migraines by putting Botox in your um, in your temples and like at the base of your neck. Botox does not make your, fi- doesn't give you Puffiness. What you're thinking is fillers. Yes. What you're thinking of is fillers. When you're saying, when you see somebody and they look nuts, it's usually fillers. It's not Botox. Botox is not fillers. They're just, they're two different things. Botox is actually a prescription medication that people sometimes need for real health concerns. Uh, Fillers are not. Fillers just make your face puffier. And so, yeah, the needle lip thing is not Botox. What is what they put in your lips? What is that? There's a bunch of different things. Look, it's not my cup of tea. Not my cup of tea. I'd be scared. Yeah, there's a bunch of different things that people put in lips, but it is not Botox. Botox is like botulism toxin right. that par- paralyzes the muscles superficially. Uh, you do not want to paralyze the muscles in your lips. That would be hard. I feel like no. you drool. It would be like after you get a <laughs> dental procedure done. It's just like yeah. <laughs> it's Novocaine. Spittle coming out of the corners because your lips are paralyzed. I mean, more power to the nurses who are leaving the madness and bad patient behaviors of ER life if they are totally burned out. I do not blame them for choosing to leave and go uh, in a go to a place that is high profit and relatively low stress. Um, but I, I urge you, photo editors, learn where Botox goes and doesn't go because it is Headily annoying to me to see it gotten <laughs> wrong so many times. All right. Uh, Julissa, what are you feeling petty about or what are you saying about this week? Okay. I'm going to try to keep this as short as I possibly can. Oh, boy. Here we go. This is, I mean, this is beyond petty. This is a crisis. This is a, um, yeah, a crisis is the right word. So, Last week, it was announced that James Franco was cast <gasps> as Fidel Castro. I saw this. This is fucking oh, wild. In a no. movie, right? And yeah. then, I mean, of course there was outrage. Like, how is James Franco? First of all, James Franco has his already own issues. He's already been yeah. canceled. Like, why is he in this movie in the first place? But then how is he being cast as Fidel Castro? Then the people involved in making this movie put out a statement about how they went through an extensive search and how they tried to match his uh, Fidel Castro's Galatian ancestry. And that's why James Franco was like, okay, because, you know, because of uh, Fidel Castro's Galatian's ancestry. It's like, bitch, probably a lot of Latinos somewhere down the line have a colonizer as part of our, you know, tree uh dna tree or whatever genetic tree what is it called same so whatever upset. you're fine you're good so yeah, yeah, we, we, get it. we get it so it's like 
yeah, of course, somewhere down the line, probably. But like, are you fucking kidding me? And this was in the same week, by the way, that Gordita Chronicles was canceled and HBO. Right. Oh, Magic it was canceled. Perfect. Yes. Oh, fuck. that was a perfect fucking show. And then at the same like a few days later, um, HBO Max also announced that they were not going to release Batgirl with Leslie Gray. Yes. Who's like, the you know, like Afro Latina beautiful incredible actor and they're basically choosing to write off 90 million dollars instead of like releasing this fucking movie that a lot of us were really excited about to see an afro-latina playing batgirl in that kind of big role and it's just it's outrageous it's infuriating how hollywood will not stop at their erasure of latinos like this just feels very targeted it feels it doesn't feel like an accident that all of these cancellations and things are happening. You know, Latinos consistently, like, it's like we're something like 6% of speaking movie roles uh, when we're like, you know, 18% of the population. And like, we over index in terms of how many movie tickets we buy. Like, we are the uh, largest moviegoer segment, and yet we're nowhere to be seen. And it's like Joaquin Castro says. You know, we are basically buying into our own erasure because of all these tax breaks that these companies get and we're paying to be erased. And I'm so fucking sick and tired of it. It's like just so much fucking lip service. Everybody just likes to announce shit that's in development so we can all be like, oh, my God, look how amazing they're doing this. This company is doing this thing with Latinos or they're having this show or that movie. And then. Shit never gets greenlit. And when it does, you have James fucking Franco playing Fidel Castro. It was, Julissa, I saw this and I went down the rabbit hole because I saw John Leguizamo was going crazy mm-hmm. about it. And they they said the first thing about his ancestry, but then they also said that they were trying to find someone who mimicked uh, Castro's facial features. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And I was like, what are you, like, it was... As a white girl, I was just like, this is some embarrassing shit. Like, this yeah. is... It was so, I mean, at least come, at least if you're going to do it, come up with a better story to preach to people than just like backpedaling with all this trash. Yeah, it's like your your search was not that extensive, actually, because I can, you know, go through like the people I follow on Instagram and find five people who could have played Fidel Castro, who have Uh nice, similar cheekbones like fuck that <laughs> yeah the cheekbones of fidel castro the cheekbones of fidel castro fuck y'all do better <laughs> yes good note to end on julissa i hope that hollywood listens to this this episode of hysteria <laughs> mr hollywood Hello, please Holly- listen oh. please listen to the ladies <laughs> mr. <laughs> mr hollywood the ladies have a message for you <laughs> Um, guys, thanks so much for stopping by. Julissa and Karen, always great to see your faces. Always great to hear your voices. Alyssa, thank you as always for being my ride or die. Listeners, thank you for being the greatest. Um, I've had a couple people come up to me in recent weeks who have like recognized my voice, uh, and they've said hi, and they're always just like so lovely and cool. So, um, if you see any of us out in the wild and we don't look like we're in a hurry, we always like say hi, say hi. We like, we like seeing you. We like talking to you. And, uh, there'll be more hysteria for you next week. I am from another planet. This nation, Janet, but these girls got
Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Rustin is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. And Fiona Pastana is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis are the sound engineers. And our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Thank you to our digital team, Nar Melkonian, Mia Kelman, Milo Kim, and Matt DeGroote. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.